Welcome to the New Beginnings Community Church Podcast. Here at NBCC, we welcome the imperfect, flawed, and broken, as much as the healing and thriving, because we are all God's children. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. Good morning, everyone. How are we doing? Good, good. Hey, if you don't know already, this is the Generations Takeover Service. And what that means is our kids team and our youth team are are collabing together to run the Sunday morning service. Yes, I know. You're probably thinking, what in the world is Pastor Jim thinking, letting these guys run the service today? But first service didn't go up in flames, so we're praying second service doesn't do the same thing. Um, But with that being said, guys, my name is Charlie, and I am our Generations Pastor here on staff. And with that being a generation's takeover we thought to ourselves I would be doing uh, you guys a disservice if you just heard from me and so today what we got going on is uh, we're tag teaming a message together not only am I going to be speaking but our kids director Bree is going to be speaking and our youth director Robert is going to be speaking today so you get the opportunity to hear from really the young guns you can say I'm still young I get that but they're younger than me Um, the young guns in the church as we are raising up this next generation we're excited to be here with you today now with all that being said Today we sat down, or not today, but we sat down together, all three of us, and as we were prepping for this message, we're like, we can get the youth worship team together, we can get the youth team in the AV room, we got kids greeting you guys as you walked in, but what are we going to talk about? And as we sat there and we kind of started um, going over some different ideas, what we ended up doing was we ended up settling on this concept and on this message we titled, and if you're taking notes, you can write this down. We titled this message, Hope in the Middle, Part 2. Hope in the Middle, Part 2. And and if you're thinking to yourself, wow, Charlie, that kind of sounds a little bit familiar, that's good. Because last year, uh, really I should say, the beginning of this year, January 2nd, I had the opportunity to share a message entitled, Hope in the Middle. Now with that being said, as we sat down and we started talking more and more, we're like, let's dive back into it. And really what that whole message was about, because it's in that time frame of last year in that December frame, um, I I was going through a lot of of hurt and a lot of family hurt. Um, In December, both my parents um, got COVID. And after the two weeks of when COVID was supposed to start uh, like loosening up and they were supposed to start feeling better, uh, things actually took a turn for the worst. And we had to take both my mom and my dad to the hospital. And they hooked my dad up uh, to the ventilator and, and everything else. Luckily, my mom wasn't as serious. And during that time frame, I knew I had to speak on January 2nd. And so what I was doing, I was going back and forth from the hospital to my parents' house, watching over the dog. And I, I was writing some different ideas of what we could talk about for that January 2nd service. And I felt God was leading in this moment of going into this idea of hope in the middle. And luckily last year during Christmas, actually on Christmas day, I was able to take my mom out of the hospital and we were able to get her back to the house. But unfortunately on December 28th, my father passed away um, due to COVID and due to a few other circumstances. And that's where that message of hope in the middle was birthed from. And we want to dive back into this concept because even though this time of year is supposed to be a year of joy and it's supposed to be a year of of happiness, for some reason during this time, it seems like there's a lot of hurt. 
It seems like there's a lot of pain that is surrounding our lives. It's crazy the amount of people that I've talked to and the amount of people that have called me and texted me saying that they're going through something, that they've lost a loved one. And so what we want to do this morning is we want to kind of shed some light and find some hope while we are in the middle of those valleys. And the thing I want you to know before we even dive into this is every one of us in this room, we are in the middle. We are in the middle of something. Whether we're in the middle of living a great life, everything is going perfect, or we're in the middle of pain and the middle of struggle. And our hope today is this message, as much as it's challenged us, is going to challenge you as well. So with that being said, again, the title of today's message is Hope in the Middle, Part 2. And what we want to do is we want to take a look at the life of Job. Now, if you know the Bible a little bit, you know the the story of Job. It's a book in the Old Testament. It's going over this man's life. The only problem is his life is a very long 42-chapter book in Scripture. And there's no way we would be able to fit in the next 30 minutes his entire life. You see, unlike PJ, I want to get us out of here on time this morning. I had to say it. I'm sorry, PJ. I still love you. You're still my boss. Um, And so what I want to do before Brianna comes up and Robert comes up and I come up to share the last point, I want to give you kind of a spark notes version of the life of Job. You see, there's so much that moves in his life that if we didn't do this, I'd be doing a disservice for you guys if you've never heard of Job before. And so we have this up on the screen, if we can put it up there. You can either take a picture of it, you can also just write it down in your notes, and it says this. Can we put that up there, guys? Ah, there we go. It's the SparkNotes version of the story of Job, and I'm just going to read through with it with you guys really quick. The first moment we see Job is in Job chapter 1 and Job chapter 2, and what I call this is the intro. This is where we get introduced to who Job is. We get introduced to this man that is known as holy and is blameless and is righteous. We also get introduced to this moment in time where God and Satan are in this kind of holy council having a conversation with one another. And what God is doing is God is saying, hey, look at Job, my servant. He is holy. He is blameless. And what Satan says to God is he says, the only reason why Job is the way he is is because you've handed him everything. You've protected him. If he was tempted. If he had pain in his life, he surely would curse you and walk away from you. And after some more deliberation going on between both of them, God finally says, okay, fine. Go ahead. And Satan does his worst to Job. And through all of that, Job still chose to praise God. Now with that being said, the second pillar in Job's life is when we get introduced to the three friends that Job has. And with these three friends, there's a huge dialogue between Job chapter 3 and Job chapter 28 of them going over really three big questions that they're trying to answer. Those three big questions are this if you're taking notes. First one, is God just? Is God just? We see that from chapters 3 to chapters 14. The second question that they try to answer is, does God run the world on a principle of justice? Does God run the world on a principle of justice? We see that from chapters 15 to chapters 21. And then the third and the last question they try to answer is this. If the world is just, then why is Job suffering? 
If the world is just, then why is Job suffering? We see that from chapters 22 to chapters 28. And then the third pillar, we get introduced to this fourth friend, the surprise friend is the way I like to, to title this. And it's from Job chapter 32 to Job chapter 37. And this man comes in, questions the friend, and gives his opinion on the way things should go. You guys, all, you guys have those friends that just give their opinion on the way things should go in your life? You're like, go apply that to your own life. I don't need to hear from you. The fifth pillar in his life is God's response which we'll get to in the third point. But God's response, which is between Job chapter 38 and Job chapter 41, and what God does is he takes Job through this like tour of the universe, which I'm excited to talk to you guys about in that third point. And then the last thing in the last chapter, which is Job chapter 42, is we have this response, we have this reconciliation, this apology from Job, and God restores his life. Now, I know that was a lot of information just thrown at you guys. Hopefully, you guys took a picture of that. But within all of his life, there's three big points that Bree, Robert, and myself want to pull out of today's story. So before we do that, what I'd love to do is I'd love to pray for our service, and then Bree is going to come out and go into the very first point. So if we can, let's bow our heads, let's close our eyes, and let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much for today. God, we thank you for all that you are doing in this place. God, we thank you that we have the opportunity to see the youth team, see the kids team, be able to serve you on a Sunday morning from the AV room to the greeters, to the worship team, to all elements of service today. God, we pray that uh, you use the speakers, you use us to further your kingdom, to further spread your gospel and to make it clear for those that are here today watching online and in person. God, we just choose to praise you and love you this morning. And it's in your name we pray. And we all said, amen. amen. Awesome, guys. Hi, it's nice to see you all. Uh, like Charlie said, my name is Bram, the kids director here. I'm so excited to be up here with all of you this morning. It's funny, it's kind of full circle. I said it at first service, but it's full circle for me. I grew up here. We used to play guitar back there in the, in the, in the shadows. Um, and now I get to be up here and preach, with, preach to all of you. So it's really exciting. Um, Awesome. So I am. I was blessed to be able to share point one with all of you. Um, point one that we're going to be going over is Job's middle. Um, so um, before we get into what Job's middle and the middle that we're specifically talking about is the middle of struggle, the middle uh, like struggle that he's going through, pain that he he's um, experiencing. Um, but before we get into all of that, I want us to kind of better understand who Job is. Um, and I, I don't have this up there. I just, wanted us, I just wanted to read this to you really quick. But at the very beginning of Job, in Job 1, verse 1, Job is described as being blameless, upright, fearing God, and turning away from evil. And as I was kind of studying through Job, the word that really caught my eye in this verse was blameless. Job is blameless. And so um, a lot of us know that um, the Old Testament in the Bible it is originally written in Hebrew. So I... Uh, I know a little bit of Hebrew, studied it a little bit in school, so I kind of, I wanted to do a study on this word blameless, and so as I was studying it, um, it what, he, what it is in, in Hebrew, blameless, is tam, um, and that specifically translate to, translates to a few words. It translates to complete, perfect, guiltless, without sin, upright, honest. 
um, Tom, what, what Job is described as is being perfect. And specifically here, we see it as upright in our Bibles, or um, sorry, blameless in our Bibles, but what it's specifically um, translated to is perfect. So Job is being described as perfect. And it's funny because as I was kind of studying this word a little bit more, I, I found out that it's only, Tom is only used 13 times throughout the entire Old Testament. And out of those 13 times, seven of the times it's used in the book of Job to describe Job, to describe Job as a person. I think that's um, so important for us to understand that Job is multiple times described as this, not just at the beginning before he deals with hardship and struggle, but throughout the entire book of Job, even when he's in the middle, even when he's in the middle of facing hardship and struggle, he's described as being Tom, he's described as being perfect, as being blameless. And as we continue on in in, uh, Job 1, we see that um, Job is blessed. And this isn't as a result of him being perfect, but he's just blessed because God has blessed him, right? And so we see he's blessed with multiple things. He's blessed with an abundance of children, um, sheep, camels, oxen, donkeys, servants. Job is blessed with an abundance of these things. Um, again, not because he's Tom, not because he's perfect, but because God has willingly just given these things to him. And I think it's, uh, we need to remember that. Um, it's not because of what he did, but it's because God willingly gave. Well, God willingly blessed him. Um, and so uh, as we continue on in um, Job 1, what we see is uh, there's this conversation happening between God and Satan. And Charlie kind of hit on this a little bit, but there's these conversations that God will continue to have with Satan. And, and one, this first one, um, God is saying, look at, my, look at my servant Job, look, look at him, look at, look at the life he lives. He's, he's, he specifically in Hebrew again says, Job is Tom, God says this in his own words, he says this to Satan. And Satan says, well, of course he's perfect. Of course he is this way. How could he not be? He's blessed. He has all of these things. I bet if he didn't have all these things, he wouldn't, he wouldn't worship you. He wouldn't be, be faithful to you. I bet he wouldn't. And, and God says, okay. And then, and then Satan says, let me, let me take those things. Let me take everything he has. Let me take that all. And let's see if you can still describe him as being Tom. And so God allows Satan to do this. God says, okay, you go ahead. I know Job go ahead and do it. And so we see um, Satan takes everything, all all of his belongings, Satan takes this all from Job as we continue to read in Job 1. And Job's response, um, we can read in Job Job 1 verses 20 through 22, it says, then Job arose and tore his robe and shaved his head and he fell to the ground and worshiped. He said, naked I came from my mother's womb and naked I shall return there. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Through all this, Job did not sin, nor did he blame God. And I want us to really think about this. If we were going through struggle, if if everything we had was taken away from us right now, would we fall to our knees and worship God? Or would we get angry with God? Because I know for me, I I don't know if I'd necessarily be worshiping right now. I think I'd be a little mad. I think I'd be like, God, what is going on? Why are you doing this to me? Why do I, what, what did I do to deserve this? I think that's what, what my response would be. But it doesn't end there. So then God and Satan are having this conversation again and, and God's saying, see, he worshiped me. 
Job worshiped me through the pain, through the hardship. Job worshiped me. And Satan said, well, of course he did. He's still healthy. He's still, he's still walking around perfectly fine. Of course he worshiped you. Let me take his health and we'll see. We'll see if he's still worshiping you. And so God's, God allowed Satan to do this. God allowed Satan to take his health away. And he said, okay, go ahead. And so Satan goes and he takes Job's health. He makes him have these sore boils all over his body and makes him, allows him to be in pain. And, and then we read in, in Job 2, this is kind of where we start to see that the people around Job start to question Job and say, why are you still having this faith in God when this is happening to you? And we see that first with his wife. Um, Job's wife in, in Job 2, verses 9 through 10, it says that she says, um, Job's wife says, then his wife said to him, do you still hold fast your integrity? Curse God and die. But Job said to her, you speak as one of the foolish women speaks. Shall you indeed accept good from God and not accept adversity? In all this, Job did not sin with his lips. Job here is showing us that he understands that not, not only is good part of life, but struggle and pain is part of life. It's something that all of us will go through, and he knows that. And I think it's important for us to know and think about that this stuff isn't just happening and God isn't just allowing these things to happen to Job just so that Job can be in pain or just to do Job in. That's not what is happening at all. What Job, what, why God is allowing this is because he is wanting to show off Job. He's wanting to show off the faith that Job has, the life that Job has lived and how he will continue to have that faith regardless of the struggle and the pain that he faces. God is... He's not doing this to hurt Job. He's doing this to show that Job is faithful. And I think a lot of the times in our lives, when we're going through hardship and struggle, we think that we did something wrong. We think, oh no, this, it's because of this or that, that that we're dealing with this. But in reality, God is trying to prove, prove that we are faithful, prove that he has sons and daughters that love him and will stand by him even through the hardship. That we don't just accept good and, and we want to just live life like that, but we know that God is true and real even in the hardship, even in the struggle, even in the pain. God is there in both the good and bad, even if we don't feel him close. And, and it's funny because... Um, Job 1 and Job 2, we see that Job is still faithful and he is still worshiping God and he is still telling the people around him, no, no, it's fine. Like, God is still here. I know that. And, and then we kind of jump over to Job 7. And it's not that he's saying that Job's not there, but what we see in Job 7 is where um, he kind of starts to feel like God is far. Um, and this is kind of where I kind of fall in. So when I am dealing with struggle or pain in my life, I fall into this category. I kind of skip over Job 1 and 2, where I just fall to my knees in worship, kind of jump over to God, why? And, and so um, I want us to read that together in Job 7, verses 19 through 20. It says, will you, turn, will you never turn your gaze away from me, nor let me alone until I swallow my spittle? Have I sinned? What have I done to you, O watcher of men? Why have you set me as your target so that I am a burden to myself? Why have you set me as your target? 
I know for me, when I am going through, when life is throwing things at me left and right, I am here. I'm not worshiping. I'm going straight to, God, why are you allowing this to happen in my life? Why is this happening? And I'm questioning God, and I'm saying, God, why, God, why? I think a lot of us could probably relate to that. Um, A lot of us, when we go through struggles, we're like Job here. We feel like God is far. This is again, where we see Job start to feel like God is not right there. God is far. He never turns from God, but he asks God why. He wants to understand why he's dealing with this. And I just, again, one more time, I want to point back to God is not doing this to do Job in. He's doing this to show Job off, to show that Job can get through these struggles, get through these painful situations, and still have faith. In times of struggle and pain and hurt, we all think why, right? We all think why. Um, and it's funny that I, I was able to kind of talk about this today because around this time last year, I was going through a middle of um, pain, a middle of struggle, of hurt. Um, so last year in October all the way till December, uh, I was part of another church before I came here And during that time, um, I was a youth pastor, and it was a great time, and I loved it. Uh, But in October of last year, I started to see and and realize some things about where I was, where the church I was at, the people I was uh, around at that church. And I started to realize, maybe this isn't where I'm supposed to be anymore. And there was a lot of hurt and pain that came with that. And fast forward to December of last year, I ended up um, transitioning out of my position, stepping away from the church, um, or that church, and... I, um, at this time last year, I was dealing with the repercussions of that. I was in pain, I was hurt, I was struggling with losing my community, losing everybody that I called my church family, everybody that I did life with every day. I was going through this time of, I lost them. Um, There was pain in the the relationships and and those friendships that I had, and, and so I was hurt. And I was struggling and I was asking God, why would you do this? Why would you put me in this place and then take me out in this way? Why would you allow me to be so vulnerable and then take me out of it? Fast forward to January, um, I ended up getting a call from Pastor Charlie Headley and I ended up taking on this position as kids director and I did not know then that my life would change completely. Um, Not only did I gain a church family with all of you guys, but I also gained a community of friends that I can go to at any point. I can text in our group chat and I can say, hey, I'm going through this, I'm struggling with this and I know that they're gonna be there and they're gonna be praying. Right then and there, they're gonna be praying for me. And it's funny because I look back to the community I had before I came back to New Beginnings, and I didn't have that. I didn't have that community of people that were there to support me and love me and pray for me and lead me back to God, but now I do, and I'm so aware now of why God pulled me out of that place, why God pulled me here to be able to have a community of people that I can pray with, that I can talk to, that it can do life with, that's gonna lead me back to God. And so um, I will call Robert up. He's gonna talk a little bit more about community, specifically Job's community. So Robert, here you go. Good job, Bree. Give it up for Bree. 
Good morning, guys. My name is Robert. I have the privilege of being the youth director here at New Beginnings. I get to run community youth, and that is for our students that are in 6th to 12th grade. If you are here and you're in 6th to 12th grade and I haven't seen you yet, please come say hi in the full whoa, foyer after service, <laughs> but uh, that typically happens every once in a while, just so you know, I told this to first service, um, I did have a full cup of coffee, not a grande, I chose a venti today, so I chose violence, um, but with that being said, there may be some stutters, and that is totally okay, it's going to happen, we're going to roll with it, all right, uh, not as bad as announcements though, I feel a little more comfortable right now, um, but with all that being said, um, I think it's great how Bree was able to touch on community, and how really, uh, the community that she surrounded herself with, as she came back to New Beginnings, and as she found the community here, she began to find healing. She began to find some restoration, some, some community that was able to drive her to a deeper relationship with Jesus. And I think that's great because for many of us who call New Beginnings home, I think that that'd be the same story for us. Maybe we didn't leave from another church, maybe we've been here for years, but I think that is the same story for every single one of us, that we experience community here and there is healing and restoration through those people that we do life with. And that's great, because that's what the body of Christ is supposed to do. But, on the other hand, I also think there's times or maybe moments in our lives where we kind of just go to anyone who's just kind of there. You know what I mean? Anyone who's around us, just available, ready. Um, because it's easier than hitting someone up and saying, hey... I'm kind of struggling, you know what I mean? When a Christian hits up another Christian and you share you're struggling, guess what? First thing you feel, oh man, I got to be held accountable, this sucks, you know what I mean? Like no one wants to do that, so I might as well go to someone who doesn't know, doesn't care, just like, hey man, what do you think about this? Oh, I think you're fine, okay, all right, well, I'm good. <laughs> so I think typically this is what happens, but not all the time, right? Some of us, we don't do that, and that's great, but I want to talk to two different groups of people today, and I'll begin to explain those two camps in a second. But first, I want to say that every person you surround yourself with is going to give their uh, understanding of the situation or circumstance you find yourself in. But what I want us to remember and remind us today is of Proverbs 9.10, which says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Fear, which means great reverence or submission to God, is the thing that gives us understanding. It gives us wisdom. Being able to intimately know who God is and, and submit our lives to God is what allows us to continue further and persevere through our middle. So, with that being said, what I want to talk about is that there is something in the book of Job that I picked up on recently, and I think it's kind of interesting. If you look at Job, we see that he's upright, he's blameless, but also, he's a great guy that had some pretty weird people around him, right? He didn't have the best friends. Um, we see this often in youth ministry, and so this isn't a shock to me. I'm sure it's not a shock to you if you guys have kids. You guys have all grown up. You guys, I'm sure, already know that this just happens, right? Sometimes we don't have the best group of crew, and uh, we kind of just end up doing whatever they're doing, right? But so Job is around these guys who just kind of just don't really hit the mark for him. You know what I mean? They're just there. They're kind of just trying to figure out why he's going through what he's going through. And they look at his circumstance. They look at his suffering and they say, for sure, God is angry at you. And he's like, why? <laughs> I didn't do anything. And he's like, no, I'm, I'm telling you, all his friends are gathered around. No, I, it's because of this. It's because of this. You must have done X, Y, and Z. And Job's just sitting there like, huh. No, I didn't do that either. And so what's interesting is that is the totally wrong crew that I would like to be around if I'm going in the middle of something, right? It's like, yeah, you must have done something wrong. 
Okay, you know what I mean? That's not what I want to hear, especially with the character that Job had. And so one thing that's interesting is when you look at Job chapters 3 all the way to 28, he's going back and forth with his friends, right? If I was two chapters in with them, I would have been done, okay? I'm not going to go back and forth for that many, like, interactions to explain and defend myself. It's it's done. Leave me alone at this point, right? Um, But they still don't believe him by the end of it. And so all of a sudden this guy shows up by the name of Elihu. And Elihu is an interesting guy because he's a bit younger than the rest of the friends, but also he has a Hebrew name, which is kind of interesting because he's not an Israelite. So he looks as though he could be a part of the covenant community, but he's really not fully. He just has a Hebrew name. And so he kind of looks the part and is not fully. And so all of a sudden Elihu, now this younger guy, let everyone else share and now he wants to share. We all love it when the younger guy shares, right? Um, but, so Elihu wants to give his input now. And so he goes ahead and starts saying this in Job chapter 32, verses 6 through 9. It reads, so Elihu, the son of Bereshel, the Buzite, spoke out and said, I am young in years and you are old. Therefore, I was shy and afraid to tell you what I think. Smart man. Uh, but in verse 7 he says, I thought age should speak and increased years should teach wisdom. But it is a spirit that is in mankind and the breath of the Almighty which gives them understanding. The abundant in years may not be wise, nor may elders understand justice. What is Elihu saying here? Basically what he's saying is, Job, you got some okay friends. You you just got friends at this point, Job. But they're not the wisest people. They're not the the smartest crew. Um, I hate to break it to you, but they're probably not giving you the best advice. So let me go ahead and give you a crack at it, right? And so what he then says is he says, surely God must be having you go through this. That way you can avoid future sin. You can see almost, in a sense, what the consequences could be if you were to keep living or if you were to make a mistake later on in life, which is far from the truth. We obviously don't understand fully why Job is going through this completely, but we definitely know that's not it. So, what does he then say? This is where Elihu's not half bad, because he gets it half right, but he's okay. He says, whatever you do, Job, don't call God unjust. Now, why does he say that? Because after Job got done dealing with his first three friends that completely missed the mark, Job gets kind of irritated, and I don't blame him. I would have been too. And so in Job chapter 31, he actually calls God unjust for the things he's going through. Now, I don't know about you, but that's not a very uh, nice comment to tell God, especially when we're humans and we have a fallen nature, right? And so obviously God responds to him later on, and we'll get into that later in the message. But what I want to look at right now is Job's community and how we can learn from it. Whenever we look at our years and maybe years in our life or the past year we lived or the year we want to have this next year, one thing I think is great is the people we surround ourselves with. I think it's very, very smart. And we, again, we probably tell our kids this. We tell our grandkids this. We tell students this all the time. But let me see your friends and I'll show you your future. Why? Because we become who we surround ourselves with. And so what I want us to look at, again, is just recap these friends that he had, right? They had the three guys that were trying to prove that he must have done something. That's nice, okay? But then you have the last guy that says, hey, you know, whatever you do, I may not fully understand, just don't call God unjust. But what's interesting is that none of them actually truly encouraged Job 
to endure no matter what because God is still good. So it made me think to myself, what about my community? Because if I'm going to go in front of all you guys and talk about community, I better analyze what my community is like, right? And so I start looking at my community, and I couldn't be more thankful for them. Here's a personal story I got to share. Uh, if you're married, you know, man, it's easy, right? <laughs> it is not easy whatsoever, right? It's challenging. It's difficult. But what I will say, I love my wife. She's great, right? One thing that has been challenging for me in particular, if you didn't know, is that I actually was raised with a single dad my whole life. So with that being said, from the age of seven, really when I kind of stopped seeing my mom so much, and so from that point on, all I know is living with a dude, right? And so that's great at times, you know, when we just make hot pockets every night because that's what we want to eat, you know what I mean? Um, but um, I'm not saying living with my wife is bad at all, you know? I wake up sometimes and all of a sudden there's a new towel in the bathroom. And it's like, oh, great, that's magic, you know what I mean? <laughs> I should have got some superpowers. <laughs> uh, but with all that being said, there are challenges that are presented. And it's not exactly the easiest thing. But I'm thankful for the community of people that I have around me that can keep me sane and remind me I'm not that crazy, right? Okay, so maybe the things I feel are kind of crazy, but the things I'm going through are also normal. Does that make sense? I have people that remind me of the commitment that I made before God, but also that push me to a deeper love that only God can give. Does that make sense? And so with all that being said, this is what's great, is that having a community like that keeps us focused on persevering to a deeper, further relationship with Jesus. Now, maybe some of us don't have that community. Those are the people I want to talk to as well, because here's the thing. If we don't have that community, we need to start getting that community. That's exactly why we're here. That's exactly why we have church. That's exactly why, when you look at the early church, they did a lot of things together. It's funny, because they actually took oaths. I'm going sh to share an example of an oath they would share. If you had this guy that was cheating on his wife, he would go to church that morning and go, guys, I want to make an oath before you and God. Help me to not cheat on my wife. And they'd be like, okay. And guess what? They'd keep him accountable. Because that's what community is all about, right? And so nowadays, it's like it's totally different because we find ourselves where we don't even want to have any kind of community at all. We don't want community, but then we look at our year and we're like, man, that was a lonely year. Okay, get some community. What are you doing, right? And so these are the two camps I want to talk to. The first one being the people who love their current community. And I'm sure we all do. I'm sure we all do. But if we love our current community, I want you guys to ask this question. Does your current community push you to pursue more of Jesus, or does your current community push you to pursue more of yourself? Because I don't think it takes much work to pursue more of ourselves. I think from our flesh, our sin nature, it's very selfish from the beginning, and that's what we naturally would like to do, is pursue more of what's best for us. But when you have a community around you that pushes you to pursue more of Jesus, it's going to be challenging, it's going to be hard, but it's, it's worth it. That's what this is all about. Let me give you an example, right? If we find ourselves, right, going to our community, and, not, you know, they send me the Bible verse of the day every day, that's great. But if you're going to downtown Riverside the night before, getting drunk at the bars and with them, and they're over here going, hey, let me send you the verse of the day next day, I think you need a bit of a deeper community. That's all I'm saying, okay? Like, you need to have a little more of a deeper root there. That way you can begin to be sanctified, to grow, because there is growth in people who are older, wiser, and smarter than all of us, right? And so that's the kind of community we need to seek, even if we love our current community. Now, I want to talk to the second camp of people, my introverts. We all love our alone time, right? And I think it's healthy for every single one of us to have it. However, 
I think what's funny is sometimes we think to ourselves, ah, I don't need community. I'm good. I just, I just want to chill. I don't want to talk to anybody. And trust me, I get it. I get it. I'm not necessarily an introvert, but I definitely have my days, right? But this one's going to be, you either say amen, you got to say ouch to this one. But Jesus himself, who didn't need anyone, comes down from heaven to earth to have community with us. So what makes us think that we don't need community? What makes us think that we don't need community? I know sometimes it's not the, the most fun thing to have community. Listen, find your balance. Find your, your amount of time where you can be with people and get your alone time as well. But you need both. Because you are encouraged by others around you. You are, you are able to endure far more with those who are around you because you are doing life together. And they're pushing you to persevere for a deeper relationship with Jesus for the rest of your life. And that's what it's all about. And so with all that being said... When we think about it, we can't free ourselves, but instead God uses people around us to then free us from our pains, hurts. No matter what our middle may look like, that is what people around you are for. So, before I give a practical example right now of what that may look like, I want to share how I went off-roading. Um, I went off-roading this past week with Pastor Charlie Headley and his wife, Aubrey. Great time. Um, they had asked me multiple times before this to go off-roading with them. And their version of off-roading is going on a quad um, and then this little thing called a Honda Odyssey. Not the minivan, but this little tiny little like off-road little vehicle. It's like a go-kart, right? It's great. Um, yeah, I, I didn't want to go because I had ridden a dirt bike one time in high school, 20 feet, and I fell off over the handlebars, right? And so I don't want to do that again. You know, I don't want to experience that again. And so I kept telling them, no, I don't want to wake up early. You want to leave at 5.30 a.m.? I'm okay. I'd rather not, right? And so I just kept telling them, ah, I don't want to wake up early. I just really didn't want to get hurt, okay? If I break my leg, I can't play kids in Foursquare at youth, you know what I mean? So there's a problem here, okay? I'm like with the best on the court. Um, Jake, yeah, I, I can beat him any day. But anyways, that's besides the point. With all that being said, I finally decided, you know what? I'm willing to go. I'm willing to go off-roading with you guys. You guys have been kind of telling me about it. It seems fun. Let's do it. It's fine. We get there. We go to this place called El Mirage. Don't ask me where. I have no idea, okay? But we get there. We start unloading the stuff, right? And I start looking at the Honda Odyssey, right? The little off-road vehicle, right? That thing looks great. There's no clutch. You just start it. There's one gear, it's gas, and you go. It's great. Charlie's like, that's for Aubrey. And I'm like, okay. All right. Um, you, didn't, you didn't teach her how to ride an ATV? What are you doing, right? <laughs> I'm the new guy. Like, you're going to have me go on the ATV? He's like, ah, you'll be fine, right? Okay. So I hop on the ATV. You know, of course, I have to stall it a few times. Uh, and so I actually get going, and it's not too bad. I'm getting a little more comfortable, and I'm enjoying it. All of a sudden, I start following Charlie, who's been riding for a lot of his life. So if you don't know, if you don't know where the story's going, just be prepared, okay? So I start following Charlie. He's going pretty quick, and I'm like, oh, I'm kind of comfortable. I hit third gear. I'm like, oh, man, this is great. I start giving it a lot of gas. I'm like, woo, let's go, right? And all of a sudden, next thing I know, he makes a wild turn into a ditch, okay? I don't know about you, but there's trails for a reason. Why on earth would you go in a ditch? I have no idea. But my thought is, okay, well, I don't know where I'm going. I've never been here before. I might as well follow him. So I turn the handlebars, and what happens? I fell off. I don't know how to control this thing, right? I just turn it and go, okay, here we go, right? But the great part was, is I kind of like bailed a good amount and I was okay. I was like, oh, you know what? Falling off this thing's no big deal. 
I got a little airheaded, okay? <laughs> I got full of myself. And so I decided to be a little more confident, maybe more than I way should have, and I start going again. I didn't learn my lesson the first time, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> All of a sudden, next thing you know, he does it again. And I think he was just trying to make me fall off. I don't really believe him if he says no, but uh, I fell off again. But this time when I fell off, I flipped it, okay? And I don't know about you, but I'm looking straight at this bike or ATV, and I'm like, got the ATV right here, and I'm right here. This is going to break my leg. All right, cool. I actually avoided it by the grace of God alone. It was great. It was a good time, and I fell off, and it just flipped over. So I was trying to, you know, immediately going, I'm a weakling, dude. Look at me. I'm like 5'9". How am I going to lift this thing up, right? So you got Charlie that comes over. Boom. No, nothing, no problem, right? And he's like, oh, you just got to lift up by the back chassis. And I'm like, are you kidding me? But it took somebody... With years of experience, someone who's already been through it has fallen off the bike before, right? He knows what this is like. He understands what this is all about. So for some of us in this room, and I want to just remember and remind us for this next coming year, we need to find people in our life that are older, wiser, that are smarter, that can help us along when we persevere in our faith in Jesus. We can't do this alone. No matter what situation you're going through, whether your life is great or it's not, you got to endure and you got to have a team of people because in the early church when a mass amounts of revival was happening, they were doing that together. They were sharing the gospel together. They were performing healings together because it was never about being one person on one team and that's it. It was the body of Christ being united for the purpose of one thing, glorifying Jesus alone. So that is what it's all about. And that's how we seek out our community. You analyze your community and say, is this what we're doing? And if it's not, I encourage you as a Christian, you be the change. You start to encourage. If you're not having that encouragement, you start to be the encourager. You start being the one to start sharing more. You're the one that starts teaching people more. You're the one that steps up because that's what we're called to. That's what every single one of us are called to. And it helps everyone, not just yourself, but also in your community to pursue more contentment with Jesus and fix our vision on him. So without further ado, I'm gonna bring up Charlie Headley now. Thanks guys, I appreciate the time. There's one thing I wanna know. Do I walk like an ogre, like how Robert <laughs> explained right now? I saw that like, you didn't do that first service, now all of a sudden he's getting comfortable up here. I'm like, come on. Also, uh, I, if you want, I would ask Robert the, about the third time. Uh, he had to bail off the bike. That one's a lot more funnier, and I thought he was going to share that. But don't we have some, some great young speakers here at this church? They're, they're awesome. They're awesome. But right now, what I want to do as we get ready to close this message out is I want to share the third and the last point. If you take notes, the third point is this. Fix your vision. Fix your vision. And where we're going to camp out for the rest of the message today is in uh, Job chapter 38. In Job chapter 38. I'll give you some time to flip there. It's all the way towards the end of the book. And we're just going to read 11 verses that are right there, starting off in verse 1. Verse 1 says this, Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Now let's pause really quick. Because up until this point, Job hasn't heard from God. He, he feels distant from God. He has his friends there. He has this community there. Uh, and he just hasn't heard from him. He feels distant from him. He's wondering, God, where are you? So you could imagine when God comes to him in a whirlwind, he's like, finally, praise God. 
You are here. You are there. I, this is great. You get to restore my life. But the funny thing is the interaction between Job and God as we close this out isn't going to go the same way Job probably thought it was going to go in his head. It's like you ever uh, like order something online like from Amazon or like Etsy and you're like you can't wait for it to get and you're like this is going to fit perfect in the house or this is going to fix my problem and as soon as it gets there or it arrives at your doorstep you open it up and you're like wait a second this is nothing like the picture online said it was going to look like and you're like this doesn't even work what, what's going on like that's exactly what Job's going through he's like God you are here let me open this up and God says hold on a minute Watch what God says to Job. Verse 2. Who is this that darkness counsels by words without knowledge? Now, verse 3 is the one where I'm like, oof, God. Verse 3. Now, gird up your loins like a man, and I will ask you, and you instruct me. Ouch. Could you imagine being Job? Like, dude, I, I, God, I, I've been waiting for you, and now you're going to tell me to gird up my loins and be a man? Verse 4. Watch this. It gets even better. Where were you, this is God speaking, where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Who set its measurements since you know? Or who stretched the line on it? Verse 6, on that were its bases sunk, or who laid its cornerstone? When the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. Verse 8, or who enclosed the sea with doors when bursting forth? It went from the womb. When I made clouds its garment and thick darkness its swaddling band. And I placed boundaries on it and set up bolting doors. And I said, thus far you shall come, but no farther. And here shall your proud waves stop. What God is saying to Job is he's saying, hey, where were you when I created the earth? Where were you when I created its foundation, when I put it on its axis and, and made it rotate? Where were you at? And he goes in and he says, gird up your loins, be a man. I'm going to instruct you now. I'm going to ask you questions. And when I read this, I'm kind of like, why is God responding to Job this way? Why is this happening? Is it because Job was questioning God, saying, God, where are you in the middle of his circumstance, in the middle of his pain, in the middle of his hurt? Because at the end of the day, if we can be honest with ourselves today, church, every one of us, if we call ourselves a Christian, has questioned, God, where are you? At least once. God, where are you? I, I don't hear from you. So this, this can't be the reason why God is speaking to Job this way. You see, the reason why God is speaking to Job this way is because of the conversation he was having with his friends. And I encourage you, go back, read those. Because you see, in the conversation that Job was having with his friends, what they were doing was they were questioning the way the universe operates. They were questioning the way God operates the universe. They were thinking that they knew as much as God knew. And that's why when God came to Job, he said, hey, if you think you know, where were you? If you think you know how this whole thing's supposed to move, where were you when I placed the stars where they go, where the land stops and starts, where the waves start and stop? Where were you? And you see, it's kind of a harsh pill to swallow for Job, but really at the end of the day, if we could be honest, we all sometimes act like Job and his friends where we start telling God how the world should operate. 
We start telling God how our lives should look. We try to fit God in our plan rather than us fitting in God's plan. And you see, the reason why, and the reason why I think, and the reason why I think Job and what God was giving him was because what God was saying was saying, Job, what you're doing is you are looking at life through fixed lenses. You are looking through life through blinders. Well, God doesn't have any blinders. What I mean by that is this. Me and my dad, as a kid growing up, we would always go shooting. We would go to uh, Parado right down the road in Chino. And uh, I got pretty good. I have a few trophies, you know, not to toot my own horn. But if you do want my autograph afterwards, I can show you the trophies I brought them. Um, but we would go often. We'd probably go maybe once a week, uh, every other week, something like that. I remember one day we were there with my dad, and there was this older gentleman. And he kind of has that, that, that walk, like that cowboy walk, all bow-legged. And he had the vest on. Like, he looked the part. I'm like, man, this guy looks cool. And he goes up, and he, and he, he can barely walk, but he goes up, and he says, pull, and he hits the clay pigeon, hits the other clay pigeon, and just, like, ran the table. And I'm like, man, this is cool. I want to be like that. But as I looked at him more, I, I started looking at the glasses that he was wearing. And on the glasses that he was wearing, it looked like he had, like, two pieces of cardboard sticking out the side of him. I remember asking my dad, I'm like, Dad, why does he have that? And he said, well, the reason why he has that and what they are called, they are called blinders. So what he does is all he does is focus on what's in front of him. So as he's looking at the high house and the low house, as that clay pigeon comes across, all he does is focus in on that. There's nothing from the outside that's going to distract him. And you see, I, I think for us in this world today and just in general, we look at life through blinders where we, the only thing we can see and the only thing that we can comprehend is what's right in front of us. That's why I think when pain comes up and we are stuck in the middle of a situation we wish we were not in, all we can do is just focus on that. But you see, the beautiful part when we are in the middle is we get to serve a God and we get to worship a God that is not bound by blinders. We get to serve and we get to worship a God that works outside of time, that's been here from the beginning and will be here till the end. We call that omnipresent, meaning God is in multiple places at multiple times. That's the God we serve. You see, what God is telling Job to do is even though Job is looking through life through blinders and he can't see the outside, he doesn't understand what's going on and he starts questioning God, trying to say the way the universe should operate, what God is telling Job to do is he's saying, stop. Stop fixing your focus on the issue at hand and start fixing the focus on the solution. On the one that can make your life turn around. And I think there's some of us in this room today that we need to hear that. I know this year I had to be constantly reminded of that through the passing of my dad, through the complications that followed after that, that it would have been so easy to focus on the negative in life. It would have been so easy to make other people feel bad for me. But I couldn't. Because there's no growth that comes from that. There's no healing that comes from that. 
The only healing we get is when we fix our focus on Jesus. And there's one more thing I want to share with you before we close. And it, it, it's in this story of Job. There's a question that comes up that we, we kind of want the answer to. And the question is, why do bad things happen? Because really, that's what this whole story is kind of pointing to, and that's the question that all the friends are asking is, why do bad things happen? And unfortunately, in the story of Job, we don't get that answer. We don't. But what can I, I can tell you is this, is that you and I, we live in a broken and hurting world all the way back from the beginning of time in Genesis chapter three when Adam and Eve took from the fruit they were not supposed to eat from and took a bite of it. In that moment, sin, hurt, pain entered into this world and altered the plans that God had for you and me. You see, God, his plans weren't for us to deal with pain. His plans weren't for us to deal with hurt, to deal with sickness. It was the plan was supposed to live in the garden. But because of that one moment, we now live in this broken world. And there's still questions that I think to myself, like I can't wait to get to heaven and just like ask God these things. But there's some questions we just don't have the answer to. But what we do know is we do live in a broken and a hurting world. And what God asks us to do, just like he's asking Job to do, is even though we live this life with blinders, is to fix our focus and trust in him. And one of the coolest things I see in the story of Job is from chapter 38 after verse 12 all the way to chapter 40, God takes Job on this tour of the universe of how the, the stars were created, how the earth was created, it was formed, how it rotates, where all the wild animals are at, the beasts of the sea. And it's a crazy story, but I sat back and as I started studying it more and more, I was like, why is this happening? Why is God doing this? And the thing that I saw that I feel like is an encouragement for us today as we get ready to go into 2023 is that even in the middle when Job felt distant from God and he was surrounded by pain, God was still listening. You see, because on that tour of the universe, what God was doing was God was answering the questions Job was throwing out to him. Even when he felt distant from God, God still came in and answered those questions for him on that tour, showing you and showing me that even when he feels distant, he hears our cries. Even when he feels distant, he listens to your prayers. And so this morning, what I want to do is I know there's some of us in here that are hurting. There's some of us in here that are going through something. And maybe there's some of us in here that life is great and that's awesome. Praise God for that. What I want to do, though, is I want to offer our cries up to God today. That we close out 2022 praying to him, saying, God, we need you. God, use us. God, let's fix our focus off the pain and fix it on you. So where you're at right now, if you could, could you please just stand to your feet? And we're going to pray right now. So with every head's bowed, every eye's closed, let me pray. God, we honor you today. God, we thank you for the life of Job and the, the example that he has given us, the example that you've shown us through his life of needing a community 
of fixing our focus on you. And God, I pray right now for some of us in this room, again, I know we're going through something. I know we're stuck in the middle of something. And what I want to do is I want to spend the last moments we have together in 2022 lifting them to you. So if you're in this room today with all the heads bowed, all the eyes closed, and you say, you know what, Charlie, I'm in the middle of something, or you know somebody that is in the middle of pain. What I want you to do is I just want you to raise your hand. And what you're doing is you're saying, God, that is me. God, I need prayer. God, hear my cry. So if that's you, just on the count of three, raise your hand. One, two, three. God, if that's you, raise your hand. God, you see all the hands raised in this room. God, you see their pain. This is just you saying, God, I need you. God, I'm here for you. God, I want you. You can put your hands down. Let me pray for you. Father, God, you saw all the hands raised in this room today. God, we, again, we live in a broken and a hurting world that affects us. And God, you want to hear our prayers. You want to hear our cries. And so, God, we lift them up to you today. God, for those that are in this room that are dealing with the loss of a loved one, God, let your Holy Spirit invade their life. God, for those that are in this room that are dealing with the divorce, God, Holy Spirit, invade their life. For those that are in this room that are sick, that are hurting, that don't know where to go next, God, invade their life. God, allow your Holy Spirit to flood their life. God, we pray as we get ready to go in 2023 that we lift our cries to you, that we lift our voices to you saying, God, here we are. God, I'm tired of fixing my focus on the issues at hand. God, I'm ready to start fixing my focus on the solution. I'm ready to start fixing my focus on the one that can actually do something about it. God, let us move these blinders that we have towards you. God, we are grateful we get to worship. We are grateful we get to serve a God that does not be confined by the time frame. It's not confined by today, but God, you move outside of time. God, you are omnipresent. You are with us 24-7. So God, allow us to be fixed on you. Allow us to be motivated by you. God, allow your Holy Spirit to invade our life. God, because we need to understand this today. Just because we fix our focus on you does not mean that you're going to pull us right out of that pain. But what it does mean, God, is you are there with us in the middle of the pain, in the middle of the hurt, in the middle of the loss. So, God, we lift this time to you. We lift those that rose their hand to you saying, God, I need you. God, I'm here and I need to lean on you. God, we give you the praise. We give you the honor right now. And it's in your name we pray. And we all said, amen. Right now, church. Right now, what we're going to do is we're going to go into to one more song of worship. And it was something that Bree said in the, in the very first point is that Job fell to his knees and worshiped God in the middle. And let that be the way we end 2022, is falling to our knees and worshiping Christ. Uh, if you guys rose your hand today, I just want you to know this, and we talked about it already in the messages. You have a community here, a community here that loves you and a community here that wants to pray with you. And to my left, your guys' is right, we have our prayer team right over here that love to pray with you and love to walk this life with you guys. None of us get to avoid pain. None of us get to avoid hurt. It's a part of life, unfortunately. So let's do this thing together. Let's fight this thing together as we fix our eyes on the one that can solve that.
And with that being said, though, uh, we do, we have an amazing group of young people here that are great speakers. Yeah, you give it up for them one more time. And we have a... We have a, a, a Generations booth that's out in the front with uh, a few different things and some stickers and some shirts. And Robert and Bria over there, and I encourage you guys, go over there, encourage them. They did amazing today. But just go over there, encourage them, give them a high five, a hug, slap Robert if you want. Um, but other than that, church, we are so grateful you guys are here today. Next week, we are back to Sunday morning services. So other than that, we love you, and we will see you guys next Sunday. If you need prayer or dedicated your life to Christ, please reach out to us on our social media, on Facebook and Instagram at NBCC Norco, or email us at hello at NBCC.com. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to share and subscribe to this podcast.